How's everybody today? I want you to go to the book of Acts chapter 8. Yep, we're there again. This will be the last Sunday we read from Acts 8. Um, I feel like there is something in there that I must share with you today that I think this message is going to be a difference maker in your life. For real, I believe this is going to be a difference maker in your life today. We've been looking through Acts chapter 8 and gleaning some things in there that has so much spiritual implication. But today, I'm going to share something with you that I really believe can change the course of your life from here on. And I say that very carefully because I understand you don't toy with people's emotions or get their hopes up. But what I'm going to share today, I believe, is going to be the difference maker for you in your life personally. I believe it will be a difference maker for you in your marriage. I believe it will be a difference maker for you and your family. I believe this message could be a difference maker for you with all that God has for you moving forward. Because there are things that the enemy does not want you to know and doesn't want you to do. And ultimately just doesn't want you to think that you can or that you will. And the believers, the church has been stuck too long in a way of thinking that has held them back. All while prettying it all up with spiritual phrases and quotes and posts and songs when you were really meant to be free. I'm talking really free. I'm not talking about based on the political climate. I'm not talking about what your your government does. I'm talking about what the very Spirit of God can do in your lives. And I feel a weight sharing this message today. But I want you to go to the book of Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to do everything in my ability today to try to teach this to you. Acts chapter 8 verse 9 through 23. There's a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years. Amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God, though he had nothing to do with God. His power was not from God, but his power, he used it to deceive people, and he needed to get a little cred on it, a little street cred on it, so he just put a little Jesus sticker on it. That's what a lot of people like to do live like hell and put a heaven bumper sticker on it my 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 they listened closely to him because he for a long time had astounded them with his magic they were literally under a spell but now the people believe philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of god and watch this and the name of jesus christ You can't do church without Jesus. Come on. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. The one who had held them captive is now being converted. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. So this is going on in Samaria The people in Jerusalem, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem hear about this. Watch this, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. This is where I have stopped so far in the message. But today I want to keep reading a little bit. Because the people are filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 18 it says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, watch this, he offered them money to buy this power. He thought he could buy A gift from God. Can I tell you, your money cannot buy the gift of God. It just cannot. 
because it's priceless. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we can call him wrong for wanting to buy this power of God, right? But he just wants this same power that people have, that the disciples have. He wants it. But I want you to look at something in verse 20 because this really caught my attention. And for a moment, it feels rude. By the way, there are things you read in scriptures that can sound rude. Amen? Sound rude. This isn't one of them sugar verses. This ain't a lollipop verse. You know what I'm saying? This, in, this one don't make it on the fridge. This one you ain't posting tomorrow morning. You know what I'm saying? Like this ain't bumper sticker material. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. Uh-oh. Preacher done got mad. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. My, my, my. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. <laughs> That's in the Bible. And we're going to preach on it today. How many of you need some encouragement in your life? Look at your neighbor and say, what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> I have a lot of different titles for this message today. A lot. Uh, I got one I'm going to share with you now. I got one I'll share with you in a few minutes, okay? Today, I'm going to talk to you about strongholds and the spirit. Strongholds and the spirit. Let's pray. Father. We acknowledge our need for you in this place. So when we worship you, we're turning our attention towards you. And your word says you inhabit the praises of your people. And God, we need you here today, not just for good feelings. Definitely, we want to be encouraged. Definitely, we want to be informed. But God, we want to be changed. We want to be transformed. We want to be set free. Lord, we don't want to play church. We need breakthrough in our lives. And so, Father, I'm asking you today to anoint these words to bring change, to bring breakthrough, to bring deliverance, to bring hope, to open our eyes to see exactly how you intended for us to live. And, Father, every stronghold that has been built up through the years, God, I pray today will be torn down completely. Holy Spirit, only you can do this work. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So right now we open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the power of God. We ask you to fill this place today, but not just the room around us, but the room inside of us. Lord, come and take over our hearts. Come and move in our lives, break the chains, tear down the walls, and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, when I was growing up in church, I'm so thankful that my mom and dad gave their life to the Lord early on in my childhood and raised me in church. And uh, it was for real the way uh, my parents brought us to church. It wasn't just for show. It wasn't just because um, that would be good for them. It was because this is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is who we are as believers. We belong to the body of Christ. And so my parents raised us in church. And one of the benefits I've had in being raised in church is exposed to a lot of incredible people, a lot of incredible men and women of God, some who were in the ministry, others who were just simple uh, families in the church that served, that had encounters with God that they would share, that not only would it impact their lives, but it impacted my life as well. And their example uh, put me in the place of seeing how God can work in ways that just a simple sermon couldn't. It's good to have a message. It's good to listen to a podcast. It's good to know a preacher but it's another thing to have an example of a person who lives that out. Right. 
Come on, there's a lot of instructors, but there's very few fathers in the faith. There's a lot of people who can tell you what they heard, but there's not as many who actually have lived out the information that they jotted down in their little composition notebook. You know what I'm saying? And one of the people that I was exposed to in ministry years ago was a missionary by the name of David Hogan. Now, this sounds very normal to you to hear a name like David, and Hogan is not far-fetched as a last name, but I need you to understand today that David Hogan was as far from normal as anyone I've ever seen in my entire life. David Hogan was the most intense person that I have ever seen. In fact, if you didn't really know him, you thought the dude was on edge constantly, but I had never met someone who was so spiritually focused in all of my life. And in the context of America, it didn't make sense to us why you had to be so spiritual because he was a missionary to the remote places in Mexico where there was some real spiritual activity that was taking place. And he would share stories, and he never came on Sunday morning because the Sunday morning crowd couldn't handle it. They would bring him on Sunday night. Sunday night crowd, those were the people who danced. You know, oh, that bust out that tambourine and shake it a little bit, okay? You, you, you're not used to that kind of stuff. You, you like the drums. You like all of this. But Sunday night was where they let it fly. Some people would say that was the real church service. You know, Sunday morning was church light, and Sunday night was let's get down, okay? How many of you ever been to a Sunday night service and know what I'm talking about? That was that 530 flow. Not 1030. You were still waking up at 1030, 530. It was for real. And uh, so David Hogan would come, and he would share stories from the mission field, and the stories he would share were jaw-dropping. Intense, scary stuff that made you turn the nightlight on before you went to bed. I'm serious. Come on, anybody ever heard a preacher like that? Where they start sharing the spiritual stuff that makes all the, the, the church regulars feel very uncomfortable. Like very, very, and I'm, I, this feels very intense to many of you, and I haven't even told you the story about the things that he has seen, and I'm not going to tell you the story. Something's like, please don't, because I'm not sure you will come back next week, and we still got work to do, and I want you to come back, so I'm not going to tell you those stories, but he would share these stories that, uh, of things that he would encounter, and uh, it would freak us out. Uh, so much to the point that whenever he would preach, if he made eye contact with you whenever he was preaching, it made you feel like he was staring into your soul. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, don't make eye contact with Brother Hogan. Don't make eye contact. Just look down, look around. And then it's like, oh, that's a bad strategy because if I don't look at him, he's really going to think something is wrong and he may call me out. You ever been called out in church before? Come on. I, I I wasn't only called out of church before at church before, but my dad came and got me out the youth group section of the church on Sunday morning to tap on the shoulder, and he adjusted me. <laughs> For those of you with positive parenting, you don't have a clue what that is. <laughs> but those of us who were disciplined. <laughs> By force, we know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> I got right with God every time David Hogan came to church. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about go down to the altar. <laughs> when they had that altar call, I wasn't just stand in your seat and raise your hand. It was, I need to go down there and get right with the Lord. And you go down there and repent. Just the stories he would share were, were astonishing because it, it, it wasn't that it was all supernatural. It was that you knew that there were forces in the world that were uh, working on some things, manipulating some things that we are quite uncomfortable talking about. And for him, it was just a normal everyday activity. Even now in this room, there are people who are uneasy fearing that I may share something that just may push you over the spiritual edge. You know what I'm saying? And put you into place to looking online next week for something different. I'm well aware. So I'm not going to tell those stories. But what we see happening here in Acts 8, and we've been in this for the last two weeks, we see the church is moving forward, uh, but it's not moving forward because of a plan. It's moving forward because of a persecution. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that God can use different things to move you forward. 
And it doesn't always fit in your schedule on your calendar, nor does it fit the preference of how you like him to do it. And God doesn't necessarily present every single stepping stone like a dance move to show you how you need to move forward. Sometimes there are other forces that come on the scene that God can actually use to move you forward. And this is what's happening here because the church is beginning to thrive. And in its moment of thriving, it become, it's under attack and it begins to be persecuted by religion, by religious leaders. It's not enough to be religious, by the way. And so it does you no good to put on a religious show and act spiritual whenever God has already said that you can be spiritual. Amen? That you don't have to put on a facade. You can really experience the power of God and be a spiritual person living out all that God has for you. And so the church is being forced out of Jerusalem by persecution. And these people that were members of the church, that were leaders in the church, begin to move on to a new city called Samaria. And we talked about how Samaria, at one time, there were Jewish people who were following God. But during the dispersion of the Jews, instead of coming back to the homeland, they began to intermarry with this other nation. And because they intermarried, they were influenced by different beliefs. And instead of standing for their beliefs, they mixed in. They made a mixture with their beliefs, and now they they have created a belief system around their preference, around their convenience, about around how they want it to be, rather than being consistent with what God said. They created their own belief system, and anyone that disagreed with them, they were angry at. Because you don't understand the context of what I believe and why I believe it, meaning you don't understand where I'm coming from. And how dare you criticize me for this belief system I've created because it accommodates me. And by the way, can I just say, that is the condition of the world today. Because we have done a better job of creating our belief systems based off of what is convenient to us, based off of some of the things that are out there that we have read. And what, what, is, what is the result of it is this thing I would call is humanism. And humanism is the elevation of the person over God using spiritual means. And this is what humanism is. And we have no, we, we really don't understand how easy it is to fall into that trap. And I, I'll just give you a simple gauge. When you notice that it's becoming all about you, you're slipping into humanism. Seriously. And if you are having a hard time gauging it, just ask somebody in your house. <laughs> a little humanism meter. You know what I'm saying? And so as we, we look at this story, it's exciting because as the church is moving forward, what was working in Jerusalem is now beginning to work in Samaria. Because as they are preaching the gospel about the kingdom of God and using the name of Jesus Christ, people are being saved and people are being baptized. I mean, this is an exciting thing that is occurring here in this city. And, in, and the Bible even tells us there was a great rejoicing in that city. It looks as though there is a move of God that is occurring. Let's get excited about it. Let's get fired up because this thing ain't just working in Jerusalem. It's working in Samaria. It's not just working at church on Sundays. It's working at the house too. You know what I'm saying? It's working everywhere. I, it's working at work. It's working when I'm driving to work. Amen? Were you not using those words you used to? Amen. It's working. And it was working there, and everything looks like it's great. And, and, and then you see this guy named Simon who is on the scene, and, and it is so powerful that Simon starts coming to church now. I mean, this is a big deal because here's this guy who has a lot of influence and now he's showing up for church and he's like, I'm going to get saved too. And so he gets saved, he gets baptized, and now the leaders from the church in Jerusalem are coming down because they're like, we've got to tell these people about the Holy Spirit. So they share the message of the Holy Spirit they're praying for. People are being filled with the Spirit of God. Come on, now we've got a big tent revival going. God is moving, shake and bake kind of church is happening. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God's moving. This is good. Spirit of God setting people free. I mean, it's in the scripture. The unclean spirits are coming out. I mean, people's lives are being changed. This is really, really happening. But I need you to know that just as quick as the kingdom is advancing, there is an enemy that will try to stop what God is doing from happening in our lives. It's a spiritual battle. And I, 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 I really try to... to, to 
to, to preach this in such a way that it's not so mm, aggressive, that it's not so uh, graphic. But there's no other way to preach it because there is a spiritual force that's trying to keep you back. And I'm not just trying to blame the devil. Amen? Although there is a devil. And if I were the devil, my strategy would be to get you to believe there is not a devil. Because if you don't know that I'm for real, then I can do all kinds of things to you and you would just blame everybody else and everything else. Okay? So the spirit of God is causing this advancement, but there is a spirit of darkness that is trying to stop it. What we have to see in this story is not just what is happening on the ground, but what is happening in the spirit. Because they're forced out of Jerusalem because of persecution, okay? But now they're in Samaria, and it's not persecution in Samaria. Watch this. It's a principality. It, it, it's bigger than a person, meaning this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers in high places. Can, I, can we go spiritual today? Can y'all just come with me? I, I'm going to take you in the deep end. If you're not comfortable, we'll give you some floaties. But let's, <laughs> let's kind of go into the deep end a little bit. Okay? Um, there was a spiritual influence over that city that was holding people captive. And it wasn't this um, supernatural-looking, scary, gothic... Halloween looking spirit that was present there that everyone could see that scared the little kids. It wasn't like that. It was covert. It was not easily seen because it was a way of thinking. It was a pattern of thinking that began to influence them to believe that this is just how it is. This is just how it will always be. This is how it's always been. This is how it will always be. And it held them captive. And even though the spirit of God is breaking forth and they're experiencing revival in their lives, there's still a pattern of thinking that needs to be broken. There is a way of thinking that needs to be retrained. And it is very possible for us as believers to sit in services and hear songs and feel the effects of the presence of God and enjoy it and emphasize it and talk about the need for it. But if the very Spirit of God is only in a room that we go to, and doesn't come and fill our lives, infiltrate our lives, influence our lives, we're not getting the full benefit of the very Spirit of God. And it is possible to go a long time. Say a long time. It's possible to go a long time feeling the effects of the Spirit of God, but never being set free by that Spirit. And what is possible is that we can sit in a room like this and sit in the middle of something that held us captive and hear a song, hear a sermon that makes us feel like there is hope, but never surrender our hearts and watch this, never surrender our minds, that we allow that spirit to continue to manipulate us year after year after year, and better yet, pass it on to the next generation and pass it on to the next generation, and that's just the way the Morans are. That's just the way the Johnsons are. That's just the way the Smith family is. They have always been that way. I don't want my kids to turn out to be like me. That is kind of like top shelf parenting in our world. Top shelf. And I agree with it. But you can't keep doing the things you've always done and expect a different result. There's something that has to break through this influence. 
And the breakthrough begins with you. The breakthrough begins with you. And so when we're looking at this store, we have to see that there is a spiritual battle. Have you ever considered that there may be a spiritual battle that you are actually involved in? A spiritual battle. And I'm not saying this to make you afraid because the reality is you have all the weapons to win this battle. You do. You have all the weapons. God has given you every single weapon that you need to defeat every enemy that is in your life. Every one of us have it. But the problem isn't the weapons. It's the mind. It's how we think. Now, when I talk about a spiritual battle, I am not talking about someone stealing your parking spot at Publix. Come on. Because some of you be like, the devil came against me today. I got the shopping cart with the wobbly wheel. If you want the wobbly wheel, just go to Walmart. I'm going to leave that right there. Some of y'all love Walmart, but you ever notice why you're starting to do the pickup? Because you don't want to push that cart. Come on. Look, I tried to do the online thing, and my online cart started having a wobbly wheel, so I just quit. All right. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff when I talk about spiritual things. I'm talking about some crazy, unexplainable things happening in your health. Where they're doing all the tests, and they can't figure out what's going on. That's, that's, I'm not talking about where they know what's going on. There, there's some spiritual implication. Well, I'm talking about where they can't figure out what in the world's going on, where this came from. Uh, I'm talking about things going on in your marriage that is like, what is this and where did that come from? I'm talking about dealing with things with your kids that you have never even heard of in your entire life. How in the world could you ever, at eight years old, begin to think something like this come on I mean I could give you all the positive parenting things and, and tell you how we can grow God's kids in all these ways but as a parent must be aware that there are spiritual forces trying to take our young people in our relationships where it's like what in the world happened there how did that happen where did, where did that come from and again I, I would call it unexplainable things and too many times we dismiss the spiritual because we think it's weird and we don't want to be weird. I think the biggest fear that a believer has actually is just being accused of being weird. I'm serious. I just don't want to be weird. Weird like them people. You know what I'm saying? Don't want to be those people. Listen, never mind. I ain't going to say that. Let's keep going. We're dismissing spiritual things. But too many people are falling prey to spiritual attacks. And it's happening everywhere. The gospel is being preached. Jesus is being presented to the people. And yes, there is an element of freedom that is taking place. But at the same time that is happening, the spiritual stronghold is being exposed. And it came through. It wasn't because, I need you to hear that. It came through a man named Simon who was in an influential position, okay? He was a sorcerer who deceived people into believing that he was this great power of God. And what you have to understand about a sorcerer is this. He uses illusions to deceive the person into believing that what he just did, he actually made it happen when it was just a trick, It wasn't real, but visually all I saw was this result of it. I didn't see the process of it. If I saw the process, I would call him a fraud, but I didn't see it. All I saw was the result, and it was amazing, and because it was so amazing, it caught my attention, and once it has my attention, it makes me curious, and the more curious I am, the more I look into it, and the more I look into it without realizing it begins to influence me. Now, we're pretty naive about spiritual things, and we don't 
recognize the consequences of spiritual things and therefore we play around with simple little spiritual things like magic and things in entertainment that we just think it's just a show and we just dismiss the thought that there's really nothing wrong with it not realizing that we could possibly be opening doors that could lead to some influence some spiritual influence in our lives and right about there, people begin to accuse the preacher of preaching hellfire and brimstone because he's saying you need to watch what you watch and be aware of what you listen to. And you don't have to read every book. Amen? And you don't have to believe every article you read on the Internet. Amen? And not every book by every author is good, even if it's sold at the Christian bookstore. I can't get over how we believe these people and we don't even know them and we don't even know people who know them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like this dude writes a book about marriage and is like, are you still married? Does your spouse like you? And who are the people around you that can vouch that you're still married and y'all go to dinner and y'all like each other and stuff? But he's got 17 ways to improve your marriage and we just read it like it's Bible fact. Yeah, come on. Amen? I'm not putting, listen, I'm not putting down resources. I'm just saying... Understand the source of the resource. <laughs> if you can't get any info on their life, I just would not go for it. I wouldn't read it. I, I, I need to see who you are before I'm going to let you have that kind of access into my life. Amen? And, and we, can, we can go into all these little tributaries, if you will, of information and movies and all these different things. And, and, and you can pick it apart as much as you want. But I think as believers, we just have to have some discernment to know, I don't need that. I, I can't have that. We have more discernment when it comes to our diet. I can't have that because it might make me look fat than discernment when it comes to some of the stuff that we're ingesting from media, that we're ingesting from the internet, that we're ingesting under the umbrella of education and information, and we're just eating it like it's out of control, not realizing that it's actually not good for you. Amen? This guy, Simon... It's interesting because he's performing these feats and is capturing people's attention, but he's deceiving them. He's deceiving them into believing that he is the power, that he is the influence, and this city is held captive. And even though they're getting saved, the stronghold over that city has to be broken. In other words, the way of thinking has to be broken. And it's possible for you to give your life to Jesus, fill out the connection card, and go to next steps. And those steps are so important, by the way. But until you begin to change the way you think about God, you think about church, and think about yourself, you're susceptible to stay in the same pattern that you've been in for years and years under the cloak of that's just who I am and how I am when God meant for you to be more. Amen? And so we get in these traps, and the trap is actually what's in our minds. And it comes from places of influence. Places of influence. And this guy, Simon, was influential, and he was using it to deceive the people, and he was using sorcery. Now, you have to go back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 18 when the law of God was being given. And he told the, the children of Israel, these are the children of God. He says, have nothing to do with it. Have nothing to do with sorcery, magic, old wives' tales, all this weird stuff. Don't have anything to do with it. Why? Because it will create a stronghold in your mind. But we remember now the people in Samaria, they had a little bit of God, but they mixed it with a whole lot of the world. They mixed it and they created their own version of it. And as a result, they are now held captive. And that is the state of so many believers today. Now, you may want to call it mixture. I think we could also use a stronger word and call it compromise. Compromise. We, we, we got this bottle of water, and, and if I put a little something in it, would you drink it? And some of you are like, well, it depends on what you put in it. But if I put dirt in it, would you drink it? You would say, no, I would go find something clean and pure. So the enemy doesn't put dirt in it. 
He just puts something to intoxicate you in it. And it's sweet, and so we drink it. Because on the label it says it's good for you. See, this is what occurred in the garden. It said it was pleasing to the eye. The fruit, the forbidden fruit, was pleasing to the eye and it was good for you. And you could be like God. Really, the translation means like a God, which is promotion of self. It was all the way back there. All the way back in the beginning. That's what the enemy was trying to do. It was promotion of self. And so you see in this culture, in this city, where, where there is this stronghold that is over the city that is influencing the people. It's influencing the way that they think. And I wonder what has influenced the way that you think, number one, about yourself. I wonder what has influenced the way that you think about God. I wonder what has influenced you about the way you think about church. It's so easy to make comments about all these things because this is the culture we were raised in through social media, that if there is something said, you have the right to comment on it. In other words, express your opinion that comes from no place of education, only from your experience and your preference. And so as a result, we believe our comments to be doctrine as fact, as true, because through my context and my experience, this is, watch this, my truth. And in the culture of the world, we have to tolerate everyone's truth. Well, the problem is trying to tolerate everyone's truth has put us in the place of what in the world is going on. And everyone becomes an enemy of everyone. And we try to put a cloak over it as acceptance. We try to put a cloak over it as this is relevant thinking. We try to put all these cloaks over it. But at the end of the day, what it is, is this form of, of, of belief where we create our own path. And we wonder why there's so much confusion in the world. And I've come to realize the enemy thrives in confusion. If you're confused, it's so much easier to take advantage of you. And so the enemy likes to thrive in these environments of confusion. And so you begin to see that there could be some spiritual implications going on in the world that I live in. And I'm not just talking about the United States of America. I'm not just talking about Florida. I'm not just talking about Tallahassee. I'm not just talking about your neighborhood. I'm talking about under your roof. I'm talking about in your own lineage. Because many of you that have come to know the Lord, you've had to change some ways of thinking in your life or else it would have been automatic. You would have produced the same results of brokenness occurring in your life that has occurred a generation before you, that's occurred a generation before you, that's occurred a generation before them. And it just keeps cycling because of a way of thinking. Now, what I want you to be aware of is this, is that just like the enemy is trying to stop the kingdom from advancing, you cannot stop what God is doing. Amen. God's still moving. And can I tell you, even though gas prices are crazy, and even though there's a war going on on the other side of the earth, and even though people down your street are acting crazy, or maybe down the hall in your house, God is still moving, and God is still saving, and God is still healing. Hope is not gone. God is still providing. God is still protecting. He is still God. He didn't fall off the throne because when he passed by the gas station this morning, it was 429 a gallon. He didn't say, well, I'm going to try to provide. See what I can do, but that's a little out of my range. And I'm not trying to joke with this because I don't like it. But what I do want you to see is that God is still good and God is still God and God is still able, even though all this craziness is going on around us. And it's one thing when the craziness goes on around you, what happens when the crazy that was going on around you begins to get in you? This is what I'm talking about because you could go crazy. Look at your neighbor and say, you could go crazy and don't tell them if they already did. That's between them and the Lord. The enemy likes to do this, okay? He likes to distract, and you might want to write this down. He likes to distract. He likes to divide. And he likes to deceive. You need to know those three things. Distract. If you're ever in a season where you, you say, I feel like I'm so distracted, time out. I'm in a spiritual battle. 
When you go through a season where you feel more confused and I just don't know what to do, usually I have the answers, but I don't know what to do. Time out. I'm in a spiritual battle. Okay? Or, or, or are you grabbing this today? Whenever relationships begin to divide, that should thrive. When they begin to divide, you have to call a timeout and look and see, wait a minute, perhaps there's a spiritual battle here. And I'm not saying that all relationships need to keep going. And I'm talking about friendships here, okay? Your marriage needs to keep going. Okay? Your relationship with your kid needs to keep going. But I'm talking about friendships, and this is a hard one. Because sometimes God will use a little something to get some people out of your life that don't belong there. Right. Amen. Amen? And I'm not trying to be mean. I've just lived a little while and saw how God removed people out of my life. And watch this. Even removed me out of some people's lives. That was the mercy of God for them. Come on. This ain't a one-way street. I understand how this works. But God, want, God wants to do something in our lives, and if we're not careful, we don't see the spiritual implications of it. And what we try to do is maintain something that God is trying to change. Try to maintain it when God's trying to change it, okay? So this guy, Simon the Sorcerer, okay? His real name is Simon Magnus. And he had this magical ability, and he was influencing um, these people, and he brought them to this place where they were deceived. And so now there's a stronghold over the city that is holding these people captive. Let's talk about the word strongholds, okay? The stronghold is a way of thinking, I want to define it, that influences and dominates your beliefs and actions. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of thinking. And I want to emphasize that because it's not just, oh, I went on a bad side of town and I felt something. No, no, no. You don't have to go on that side of town. You could just be in your own house and still have to deal with the scary thoughts. Amen? Let me give you some examples of strongholds, okay? Um, I must do this, you fill in the blank, in order to be perfect. If I could just be like this, I would be perfect. That's a stronghold. And it's hitting home as soon as I said that because we're trying to be the perfect parent, the perfect spouse, the perfect kid. Can I just relieve all of us of the stress? You're not going to be perfect, but you're going to grow. Amen. Amen. Quit expecting perfection out of people. And give them some room to grow. That's called grace. Amen? Amen. But the stronghold makes you feel like you've got to be perfect all the time. And you're just not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. And better yet, let's not just use that stronghold as our excuse to act like a fool. You can't expect me to be perfect. No, but we can't expect you to try to act like a civilized human. Anyway, let's go back to the... Here's another one. I will never trust people again. Stronghold. You say, Pastor Wade, you don't understand what's happening. I know. But when you start saying, I will never trust people again, you are building a stronghold in your life that will cut you off from relationships that God will bring into your life to help you to advance and move forward. And what you're saying is, I will do this all by myself. And what is that? That is the breeding ground for something called pride. And the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. Did you see how, how deceiving this stuff is? And it's right there. Here's another one. Um, that, that, uh, that's just how people are. That's just how I am. I've always been that way. I'll never change. Here's another one. No one will tell me what to do. Listen, you ever worked on that with your kids before? That's why you know that's a stronghold. But what happens when it's the parent who's living like that, and then the kid mirrors it? You can't break something that you continually entertain in your own life. Amen? Here's another one. This one is so harsh. God will never forgive me for, and whatever it is, it's a stronghold. Do you see how deceiving this stuff is? 
And people all over this room have dealt with these things. People watching online have dealt with these things. And watch this. We've lived with it. We've lived with it. It's just the way we are. It's just how it's always been. And we accept it not realizing that that way of thinking has positioned us to stay where we have always been. And you can only decorate where you've always been for so long before you realize this ain't where I'm supposed to be. And you can't get mad at other people who move forward because you chose to stay. You would think that the revival's breaking out and everyone lived happily ever after, right? That's what you think. Oh, come on, everybody's living happily ever after. They're rejoicing. They're rejoicing, but they're still working through some things. There's people in this room who are still working through some things. You can still rejoice even as you work through it. Amen? You worship your way forward. I believe that. But as we talk about these strongholds, something caught my attention in this story. Because Peter comes down to bring the Holy Spirit. Ah, they bring the revival preacher in. You know what I'm talking about? The good preacher. Not the weekly pastor. The revival preacher. No, oh, we haven't church tonight. And as he comes in and begins to preach and share about the Holy Spirit, people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're coming alive. And this is where Simon and all of his spiritual influence comes face to face with the Spirit of God through a man named Peter. When I thought about this story, I realized Peter used to be Simon. Peter's got experience being Simon. Some of y'all, I don't understand. You gotta help me here. One day, Jesus asked this disciple named Simon. Who do you say I am? Many people say I'm a teacher. Many say I'm a prophet. But I want to know who do you say I am? And Simon says, you're the son of God. And Jesus tells him, nobody told you this except my father in heaven. And I say to you, you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Oh, come on, man. This is awesome. Because he used to be Simon, but now he's Peter. Now, we're getting excited about this because, come on, Jesus changing his name. Jesus will come into your life and change your identity and help you to be everything that God said you can be. Come on, he's talking about, I'm going to build my church. I've got a future for you, Simon. And the future ain't who you've always been. It's who I want you to be. And everybody's shaking and baking and feeling good about it. Glory, little organ in the background. <laughs> Everybody's feeling good about it. And if that was the end of the story, there would be great rejoicing in the city. But if you keep reading, Jesus tells them, okay, enough of that. Let me tell you what's fixing to happen to me, boys. I'm about to be crucified, and they're going to bury me. But don't worry, because three days later, I'm going to rise again. And guess who has something to say? <laughs> the guy that Jesus just called Peter says, never, Lord. Never. I'll never let them do that to you. And Jesus responds with this. Get behind me, Satan. Woo! Went from Simon to Satan in one day. And Jesus began to address his thinking. You see merely from a human perspective, humanism, human way of thinking what's best for you you're missing what i'm trying to do so when simon this sorcerer is working in this city he comes in contact with peter it's not just two people who are interacting it's the spirit of god in simon and the spirit of the world i mean the spirit of god in peter and the spirit of the world in simon and it's it's conflicting and the world says, I will buy that kind of power. By the way, one of the spirits in the world is mammon, which is money. 
And the world is so influenced by money that he thought he could put value on what God was doing and could just buy it. And watch this. Simon just wanted the power so he could keep exercising what he was doing. Manipulating. Deceiving. But it's just a nicer bumper sticker. It's a better label. And Peter... I mean, when you read it, he just is so aggressive in how he approaches Simon, the new believer. It's like, gee, uh, uh, Peter, you shouldn't be that mean to the new people at church. Am I right? Calling them wicked. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you wicked brother. But this is what was happening in the story. And I'm looking at this and realizing that every time you're trying to move forward in your life to be the Peter that God said that you could be, it seems like you always run into the old Simon. You always run into the way that it's always been, the way you've always thought. The same old struggles rear their head again. It's like, I thought I was over that. I thought I was past that struggle. I'm trying to be the rock on which Christ will build his church, but I don't feel like a rock today. I feel like the rock fell on me, and I feel like my old self again. That's why it's so dangerous to just want to be normal. Normal is Simon. So when Peter addresses him, he talks so aggressively to him. And I don't believe it's because he's talking to Simon. I believe it's because he's talking to the stronghold that he was familiar with. Because at one time, it had that kind of power over him. And that power over him is what led him into a state of denial. Where he had promised he would never deny Jesus. I will never deny you, Lord. You're too good to me. But Jesus said, before the alarm clock goes off in the morning, right. you'll deny me not once or twice. Cynthia said, stop, but you know what comes next. Three times. I ain't going to do it. Three times. He never thought he would deny him. Never thought he would deny the one who said, this is who I see you as. This is who you can be. And Peter, he, at the moment, he enjoyed it. But the stronghold over his life, and this was a dude running with Jesus every day. Running with him. Stronghold caught up with him and put him in a place of denial. Denial. And as a result, he fell. So when Peter is talking to Simon, it's almost like he was talking to himself. Because he saw something in Simon that he had saw some, that he had saw in himself before. And he knew this has to be broken. I gotta finish real fast. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. It says, does not my word burn like a fire, says the Lord. It is, is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock, a stronghold to pieces? This is what I'm trying to tell you. The only way to overcome a stronghold is to demolish it. It's not to try to understand it. It's not to tolerate it. It is to demolish it. And I felt like the Lord said today was demo day. Demo day. Because there are thought patterns that we have lived with that has been holding us captive for so long that we have tolerated that we have tried to manipulate into our beliefs. But it just doesn't go with the house. Can I, can I go demo day a little bit here? That doesn't fit in with the design of the house that he is making you to be. And it would be cheaper just to try and pretty it up wow. 
<laughs> but it doesn't fit with the design for the house. And there are thoughts in your life that do not fit with the designs that God has for you. The insecurities that you deal with on a daily basis, whether you're male or female, they don't fit with the design, the plans that God has for you. But they've always been in the house. And it's almost sentimental because we've always had that in the house. But for who God wants you to be and where he wants you to go, it doesn't fit with the design. And God is saying it's time to get the hammer and destroy it and tear down the strongholds. So here's the strategy for your stronghold. Number one, write this down real fast. Identify the stronghold. You got to identify what it is. It may be material. You may feel like I got to have more stuff in order to be successful. That is a stronghold and a lie from the enemy. Amen. Come on. It could be a financial stronghold. It could be an addiction. It could be a habitual stronghold, something you just do all the time. Just always done that. It could be a personal or a physical stronghold. It could be a religious stronghold, a relational stronghold. It could be a spiritual stronghold. Whatever it is, name what it is. Identify it. Call it for what it is. Just like Peter told Simon, you wicked thing, you. You've got to be able to identify that stronghold and call it what it is. It's wicked. It's not of God. This is not God's design. And I'm going to tear it out of this house. 2 Timothy 2.26, they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Here's the second thing. Attack it with God's weapons. Attack it. Attack it. When you demo, you got to attack it or else it will attack you. I have did some demolition in my house. You can't be careful. Because that cabinet ain't careful when it comes back at you. It don't care about you. The corner of it will catch you on the side of your face. Sound like I've been there before, am I right? Put on your armor, but swing your hammer. You got to attack it. You don't play with it, you attack it. Proverbs 21, 22, a wise man attacks the city of the mighty and pulls down the stronghold in which they trust. This pattern of thinking, I'm tearing it down. I'm getting it out of my house. This, there's no more room in the house for this way of thinking. Kids, listen to me. A lot of times your parents, they're addressing your stronghold. And that's why they sound so angry. It's not you. It's the stronghold that they know has a hold on you. They're not mad about your grades. They're just mad about the thinking that makes you believe that you can't make that grade. And that's fine when you're a kid. But what happens when you're the adult? And you're still living with the same thinking. Got to tear that down. Get it out of the house. So watch this, 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons we have have divine power to what? Demolish. It's demo day. Demolish strongholds. Here's a couple of weapons. Prayer. Yes. Prayer is a weapon because this is where I get the grace of God. Never stop going to God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Never stop going to God. But here's the other weapon. It's truth because truth sets the captives free. And I've got to tell myself the truth. I ain't not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to fall prey to the depression that's just been the cloud over my family generation after generation. I'm not going to be that person. I'm tearing it down. I'm tearing it out. It's not going to fit into the design. doesn't fit in the design. I'm going to confess that sin. Instead of blaming... 
I'm going to get on my knees before God and say, God, I'm the sinner. I can't keep blaming that person for what they did. I've got to take some responsibility for what I've been doing as a result of what they did. Because when I forgive, when I confess it, he forgives it. Demolish it with God's truth. Meaning this. His word is heavier than my word. His word takes power over their word. His thoughts, watch this, are higher than mine. So every time you have those thoughts that just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, you know, okay. That's the enemy trying to build a stronghold in my mind to get me away from what God has and what God says. And if I stay on that trail, it will influence me. It will. So now that means I'm carrying the hammer with me wherever I go. And I get it. The hammer's heavy. And when I swing it, it has impact. Told the worship team this this morning. I got to finish because I'm out of time, way out of time. When David faced Goliath, he kept saying, The battle belongs to the Lord, battle belongs to the Lord, battle belongs to the Lord. But he still had to pick up a rock and put it in a slingshot and hurl it at the giant. But the rock only knocked the giant down. That's it. And we got some good rocks in our life. You got some friends? Come on. You got some encouragers? You got some devotion? All that stuff. That's great, man. That's, those are rocks. But he had to take the sword to cut the head off the giant. The sword is the word of God. It was heavy. It was heavy. But he cut the head of the giant off, which represents a way of thinking and then all of Israel was set free you've been throwing a lot of rocks keep throwing them but pick up your sword and every time you got the thought that tells you something other than what God says you refute it with everything that God does say and there have been words that have been spoken to people in different seasons of your life. They're in the notebook where you took the notes. You need to revisit them because they were actually weapons for the seasons that you're in right now and the seasons that you're going to face. Come on. And we have been tolerating the thinking, forgetting that we already got the weapons to take it out. And we're not going to let the enemy build a stronghold to take over this city, to take over this house, to take over my life. So today, I'm picking up the hammer because it's demo day. And I'm tearing down that way of thinking. And if he said I can be Peter, I refuse to go back to being Simon. I refuse to go back and being Simon over and over, just wallowing. When I was meant to live free, when I was meant to move forward. Everyone standing on their feet this morning. Jesus, we thank you so much for this word. We need this because our thinking has been attacked through so many channels. And we have left so many doors open. We have compromised. We have entertained ourselves with things that were ungodly. And allowed the enemy to have a foothold which led to a stronghold. And it has amplified the voices that have tried to tell us you can't, God doesn't, God won't. Tried to mess with our value. Tried to mess with our convictions. All these different things. But today, Father, we go to your word and we stand on your promises. And we pick up the hammer of the word of God right now. And we demolish the strongholds of thinking. We demolish them. I'm changing the way I think about these things to what you say, God. Every hand raised across this room today. Father, only you break the strongholds. We're aware of them now. Help us to demolish them with your word, with your promise. 
Holy Spirit, we need you to be the influence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God is speaking to so many people throughout this room right now. And you're, it's like you're making a mental list. That's going. That's getting, that's not, that doesn't fit in the design of our life that God has for it. This doesn't, this, that's not staying. That's got to go. No more. Uh-uh. That's not going to influence our kids. That's going. It's demo day. Father, I pray for the grace, the grace that strengthens us in all these areas. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. I want you to repeat this prayer. I'm out of time, but I, we got to go. But I want you to pray this. All of us out loud, say, Dear Lord, thank you for your unconditional love. You sent Jesus to the cross to pay the price for my sins so I could be forgiven. I could be free. I surrender my life to you now. And I ask you to be my Lord the authority in my life the one who leads me and guides me I surrender my life to you change the way I think change my direction so that I will follow you I announce now I'm not the same person I'm changing to be who you want me to be I'm all yours in Jesus name Amen Amen. Amen. Amen.